Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Good morning. When we talk about faith, we often talk about taking a journey, a journey to faith. The idea is that it definitely takes some effort to get there. Just consider some of the images from favorite hymns. We are climbing Jacob's ladder. Here, perhaps, we have to conquer a fear of heights. Faith is a forest in which doubts play and hide. Trees block the way, and maybe even animals are lurking out there. Or another first line of a hymn, a long, long way the sea winds blow across the sea plains blue, but longer far my heart must go before its dreams come true. It might take a while to reach the goal, and you might even get wet in the process. So reaching the desired destination of faith is not like getting in the car and driving to the supermarket for a quart of milk or a loaf of bread. You usually have to cover some tough terrain We might describe faith as that serene feeling of confidence, trust, and belief that lies beyond what is rational and can be proven. Maybe you'll have to go in the dark through a blizzard and maybe even without headlights for a while before you get there. No GPS map points the way. And every voyage to faith is different, just as every person is different. As practitioners of Unitarian Universalism, we especially honor the uniqueness of every journey to faith and the kind of faith that sustains each of us. And often what we see along the way during the journey is just as important as the spiritual goal. One thing seems sure, faith doesn't just arrive like a letter in the mail. It takes some effort to get there. Maybe more important, it takes some intent. Maybe you'll even have to traverse something resembling the valley of the shadow of death, in the words of Psalm 23. Or maybe you'll have to climb a mountain, or ford a river, or cross a desert. Remember the advice that the Mother Superior gives to Maria in The Sound of Music. Climb every mountain. Here she's speaking both of the real Austrian Alps outside the window and the emotional obstacles we face as we seek to find personal and spiritual peace. Let me tell you about one such journey, both physical and spiritual. A few months ago, I was doing research in Central Europe during a springtime more soggy than anyone could remember. My work took me from Budapest in Hungary to Zagreb in Croatia and back. It was a long, slow train trip that started on the banks of the Danube, meandered eastward along the volcanic shores of Lake Balaton, and across the prairies of the great Hungarian plain. We stopped frequently in hamlets with tongue-twisting names, 
manned by conductors standing at stiff attention in starched uniforms. Then we headed southward through forests so thick that the tracks became a tunnel through the branches of the trees pressing against the windows like the arms of an octopus. Finally, we emerged into the more clear and hilly terrain of northern Croatia, its small farming villages teeming with chickens and pigs gradually gave way to the suburbs of Zagreb. Here, acres of identical communist-era apartment buildings stretched to the horizon before the city's Renaissance spires came into distant view. During my stay in Zagreb, the region was hit with one of the most intense springtime storms ever seen there. Winds close to hurricane force swept through the city, scouring the squares clean of tourists and locals as torrents of rain poured down for three days. The tables and chairs of Zagreb's famous cafes, usually packed and animated, stood dripping and bedraggled in the tempest. We've never seen anything like this, the Croatians kept telling me, somewhat apologetically. It's usually bright and sunny here at this time of the year. It seems you had bad luck to come here now. I tried without complete success to stifle my feelings of disappointment that my first visit to Zagreb had coincided with a full-blown natural disaster. The weather finally cleared only for a few hours on the morning of the day I had to return to Budapest. I fell into conversation with two young Croatians as the train left Zagreb, and they told me of the terrible weather that had hit Hungary over the last few days. One of the fellows worked for the railroad as an engineer and said trains had been delayed for many hours because the tracks were threatened with flooding. We stopped for what seemed like ages, ages at the border between Croatia and Hungary. Soon after the weather worsened, as the train proceeded westward, the skies grew black and threatening. Rain pelted the windows. I was alone in a compartment. Outside the window, the fertile farmland of what eastern Hungary was submerged under inches of water the recently planted seedlings drowning in mud. The train crawled along the tracks just barely above the inundation. We stopped for long periods, sometimes in the middle of nowhere for no apparent reason. At one of those stops, I ventured out into the corridor. I discovered that our car was the only one on the train. The back end of the locomotive was visible ahead of us and an endless ribbon of track behind us. The other cars of the train had apparently been left at the border. Only those of us going all the way to Budapest remained. In each of the compartments sat one person. Some had chosen to sit in the dark. Others were reading. Some were listening to music with earphones, tuning out the scene. By now, I had also noticed that the train was not taking the same route it usually did. Somewhere along the way, the scheduled itinerary and stops had been abandoned. So now we were in the hands and at the mercy of the locomotive's engineer. He was apparently improvising our route back to Budapest, skirting the areas where the track was underwater. Like it or not, we had to place our faith in his knowledge and skill to take us to our destination. This is what Sharon Salzberg in her book, Faith, trusting your own deepest experience, might call blind faith. It wasn't like we had any choice in the matter. Either we trusted the engineer, or we got off in the middle of a muddy field somewhere in eastern Hungary. 
We do the same thing all the time without really giving it a thought. Every time we get on a green line train or the commuter rail or an airplane, we have implicitly handed over our fates to the person at the controls. Like it or not, and whether or not they deserve it, we have entrusted them with our faith that they will get us to our destination. That long May day was finally ending and night came on. We had stopped again in the middle of a field. Nothing was visible except for a few lights somewhere very far away. I began to wonder if we might spend the night here. Then I began thinking it might be better to seek out my fellow passengers. One of them was standing in the corridor, staring out the window into the blackness. I wasn't sure what language he spoke, so I smiled and tried English. He responded in English, accented but fluent. He was Romanian, he explained. He was taking the train from Zagreb to Budapest and had to catch another overnight train in Budapest that would take him back to his native Bucharest. He was taking this very roundabout route because he had been afraid that the volcanic cloud floating towards Europe from Iceland would make flying too unpredictable and time-consuming. So much, so much for planning. My new Romanian acquaintance had only one hour to make his connection in Budapest, or he'd have to wait another 12 hours for the next train. We were already running late, although actually we didn't know where we were or how far from Budapest. The conductor in our car had disappeared and only spoke Hungarian anyway. But I noticed that my fellow passenger was strangely calm about the whole situation. Actually, he was calmer than I was, although I had no pressing engagements to make in Budapest. He was smiling and laughing, talking with other passengers in various languages, taking things in stride. He had apparently decided to enjoy the journey and forget about the destination. He seemed to have faith that everything would work out. His example made me think about my own response. I had been so focused on the future destination that I was neglecting to observe and experience what was happening in the present. In her book, Sharon Salzberg writes that faith, quote, is an inner quality that unfolds as we learn to trust our own deepest experience, unquote. Faith gives us confidence that our spiritual essence will suffice to guide us, no matter what the predicament. Quote, often it is the journey itself, not the destination, that is the real point of setting forth, she writes. Salzburg also distinguishes be between what she calls blind faith and bright faith. Blind faith is a kind of unthinking devotion to a teacher or teaching that is mistakenly seen as the fulfillment of the journey of faith rather than an early step. Bright faith is a more activist and energetic faith. It propels us forward, but also gives us the ability to distinguish and judge for ourselves what we need, she writes, to transform our suffering and live in a different way. On the train from Zagreb to Budapest, I was operating initially on blind faith in the engineer. But as I reflected further after my conversation with the Romanian passenger, I passed into a sense of bright faith. I came to realize that whatever would happen, even if the locomotive engineer lost his way, everything would still be all right. I acquired a new feeling of spiritual confidence and serenity. What I experienced on that train journey led me to think about my own larger spiritual journey 
the one that brought me here to Arlington Street Church. In my childhood and youth, I was brought up in a Protestant church that valued individual choice, but still demanded a high degree of blind faith. As an adult, I found that this faith didn't sustain me. It didn't give me an inner sense of confidence of knowing where I fit in the world. For years, I rejected organized religion. I traveled exhaustively, both geographically and spiritually, looking for that inner sense of peace. My journey eventually led me here to ASC, originally as a member of the Boston Gay Men's Chorus one Christmas Eve. The sense of community I felt here was new and unexpected. What appealed to me was the feeling of freedom within a spiritual framework that UU theology embraces. And I understood that this journey to faith did not have to end at ASC, but that it would continue here. I could continue my spiritual travels, but now with a home to come back to and a guidebook in hand. As for the train journey from Zagreb to Budapest, it did finally end where it was supposed to, at Kelati Station. In the process, I gained some new companions and a renewed sense of faith. And when we arrived at Kelati about an hour late, the train my new Romanian friend needed to catch was standing on the next platform. The conductor had called ahead to tell them to wait. So the passenger's faith had been rewarded. Journeys of faith, each of us starts and ends them differently. What matters is that we're willing to experience what happens on the journey and to follow wherever it may take us. Amen. <laughs>